Welcome to Second Impressions, the Pride and Prejudice podcast. My name is Tom. And I'm Grace. And we're going through Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice chapter by chapter. And today we're doing Volume 3, Chapter 11. But Grace will give us a quick recap of what happens in Chapter 10. Sure. So in Chapter 10, Elizabeth finally receives uh, a letter from Mrs. Gardner. Um, she had previously in Chapter 9 written to Mrs. Gardner asking for basically an explanation of Darcy's involvement in the whole uh, Lydia Wickham affair. And Mrs. Gardner writes back a lengthy letter basically detailing that Darcy was um, basically 100% responsible for getting Lydia and Wickham together. He was the one that was that found them in London. He was the one who essentially paid Wickham off to marry Lydia, paid off all his debts, um, and... Uh, expedited the marriage and gave Mr. Gardner all of the credit for it. And she also, Mrs. Gardner also uh, makes it uh, known that they wouldn't have agreed to it had they um, thought that Elizabeth didn't know what was happening. But Mr. Darcy seemed to have told the Gardners that, oh, Elizabeth is aware of this. Elizabeth says it's okay. And so the Gardners went along and basically um, allowed themselves to receive all of the credit for getting Lydia and Wickham married and brought back safe and sound. Um, Mrs. Gardner also, in you know, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, ends the letter saying that she likes Darcy and that she hopes that keeping the secret will not prevent Elizabeth from perhaps one day inviting the Gardners over to Pemberley, or to pee, rather, as she put in the letter. Um, and that uh, ends the letter. Immediately, um, Elizabeth is sort of interrupted um, in the garden where she's reading the letter by Mr. Wickham, who is walking up to her, um, being very charming, very smarmy, and we can sort of pick up immediately. He's trying to suss out where Elizabeth stands with Wickham, where she stands with Darcy. He tries to ask, do the usual kind of like, you know, Q&A about like, oh, didn't we, you know, we were used to be so close and I heard you went to Derbyshire and she knows that he's trying to suss out uh, information from her regarding what she knows about Wickham's like true past and um, how he sort of basically kidnapped Lydia, but Elizabeth is very smart. She does not give anything away. She's just like, all right, you know, we're brother and sister now. Let us sort of just bury the hatchet and move on. And Wickham sort of is satisfied with that, and they kind of just end on relatively amicable terms. Um, and that's how the chapter ends. So, Tom, why don't you give us a quick summary of what happens in Chapter 11? Great. Thank you, Grace. Chapter 11, Lydia and Wickham leave for the North. Mrs. Bennet is sad, but fortunately is then cheered up by the news that Bingley's coming back to Netherfield. <gasps> wow. Wow. Uh, in a, uh, a repetition of the very first scene of the book, she tries to get Mr. Bennet to visit, but he refuses. Uh, she, Mrs. Bennet then plans on inviting Bingley herself to a dinner that she's hosting, but lo and behold, Bingley shows up on his own accord with none other than Mr. Darcy. Uh, they come in, they visit a little bit. Mrs. Bennet, of course, makes a nuisance of herself. She is over-attentive to Bingley and very cold and distant to Darcy, which Elizabeth uh, notices the, the irony of considering Darcy basically just bailed out her favorite daughter. <laughs> um, 
Jane, Elizabeth, Darcy, Bingley, they're all pretty quiet at first, but as, like, the meeting continues, Bingley and Jane start talking more and more, uh, and then the chapter concludes where Mrs. Bennet invites them both over for dinner, and they leave. Yep. All right, so they're back. Yes. They're back in the neighborhood. The boys mm. are back. <laughs> Netherfield is alive uh, once more. Dingley, as I like to call. <laughs> Darcy and Bingley. Um, that should be the title of this chapter. The boys are back. And the boys are back, yes. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll go ahead and start with us, for us, if that's okay. Yeah, go for it. Chapter 11. Mr. Wickham was so perfectly satisfied with this conversation that he never again distressed himself or provoked his dear sister Elizabeth by introducing the subject of it, and she was pleased to find that she had said enough to keep him quiet. That's in reference to their conversation in the last chapter. Yes, this is picking up exactly where we left off in the last chapter. They had this conversation. What is the subject of the conversation again? Um, just like whether or not Elizabeth is still like Team Wickham. I think it's kind of Darcy is kind of the subject. Or rather like, yeah, Yeah. if she still like doesn't like Darcy and... She doesn't say anything one way or the other, but that's more, that's enough for him, I think. Yeah, so he's so perfectly satisfied with this conversation that they have that he never brings up Darcy or anything attendant on that subject <laughs> again. And I think this it's pretty safe to say that it is sarcastic when Austin says he was so perfectly satisfied. <laughs> more like he didn't want to know anymore, yeah, I think. Yeah, uh-huh. he's like, I'm not going to poke that bear anymore. Yeah, maybe that's what Wickham like, would say aloud if you were to ask him. Mm. But in his mind, he's like, I, Elizabeth is no longer team Wickham so (laughs) I'm satisfied in that I don't need to find out anymore about this about her state of mind uh yeah so he never brings up again Darcy or his past the living anything related to that for the rest of the time that they're there Mm -hmm. the day of his and Lydia's departure soon came and Mrs. Bennet was forced to submit to a separation which as her husband by no means entered into her scheme of they're all going to Newcastle, <laughs> was likely to continue at least a 12-month. Their separation, that is. Yes. So the day of Lydia and Wickham going to join the, um, what is it called? The, the Regulars. The Regulars. Yeah, it in, has come. In Newcastle in the north. Yes. And Mrs. Bennet, it sounds like, has tried to persuade Mr. Bennet to take the whole family to go all the way up to Newcastle. <laughs> Um, and of course was shut down immediately because Uh, if Mr. Bennett wasn't even going to go to Brighton with the whole family, he's certainly not going to go all the way to Newcastle. Uh, especially after what happened with Lydia and Brighton. I think that's, not only is Mr. Bennett too lazy to take the whole family up to Newcastle, but it's like no more trips, (laughs) no more trips for anyone. Maybe Elizabeth and Jane get to go. Complete shamelessness on Mrs. Bennett's part to attempt this again attempt this family trip again right after on the heels of what could have been a disaster in sending lydia to uh, brighton i'm but i guess in mrs bennett's eyes it would be different because at least she would be there and she would get to enjoy it we're gonna see this more and more of this chapter but nothing about lydia's like recent escapade has set in to mrs bennett like nothing is irregular with that engagement in her mind Mm -hmm. like there's been no scandal and there is no reason to feel embarrassment mrs bennett is like this is success i have (laughs) married off a daughter the only downside is now she has to leave i'm not gonna see her for a year at least a 12 month yeah and we can pretty much assume i think it's even safe to say everyone including kitty is not that it's probably not that upset about this separation no kitty she might be a little upset but 
I mean, we all we all know, like even Mr. Bennett recognizes that some separation between Kitty and Lydia will do Kitty a lot of good. A lot of good. Also, I think it's Kitty's chance to no longer be in the shadow yeah. of Lydia anymore. <laughs> Um, now it's her turn to shine up bright. <laughs> this is a whole little, I like this paragraph because it implies a whole little narrative that happens off stage, so to speak. Yeah. That, like, <laughs> Mrs. Bennett has been trying to convince Mr. Bennett to take another trip to a place even further away than Brighton. And he said no. <laughs> yeah, with more soldiers also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'll be Mrs. Bennett. Oh, my dear Lydia, she cried. When shall we meet again? Mrs. Lydia's talking. Oh, Lord, I don't know. Not these two or three years, perhaps. Oh my god. Lydia has no... Well, not miss her family one bit. No, no, no. Mrs. Bennet is expecting a 12 month, and Lydia immediately says, no, not for two or three years, we're not going to see you. Yeah, Lydia is not saying this, like, sad. I, I imagine she's as gay as ever when she's <laughs> saying, eh, probably not two or three years, I'll see you. <laughs> Won't you miss me? <laughs> and we get the old lord. That's basically Lydia's catchphrase at this point, <laughs> is taking the lord's name in vain. <laughs> Write to me very often, my dear. As often as I can, Lydia said. But you know, married women have never so much time for writing. My sisters may write to me. They will have nothing else to do. Ouch. Still, you know, holding that married trump card mm -hmm. like a badge of honor yeah oh also this is Lydia. this is Bennett's like lydia please write to me and lydia is like no <laughs> <laughs> she's like i'll try but i'm not gonna have any time yeah. like my sisters like, can write to me because they're not married <laughs> you know married women uh -huh. never have time for writing yeah. you mother should know that married <laughs> women never have time for writing uh -huh. but my sisters will have nothing else to do so <laughs> they might as well write to me mr wickham's adieus were much more affectionate than his wife's he smiled, looked handsome, and said many pretty things. I bet. This is Wickham. This is, like, Wickham's true value, is to smile, look handsome, and say pretty things. <laughs> like, if you, on the surface, Wickham is a great guy. If you go any, a little below the the handsomeness and the smiling and the pretty things, you're going to find a, a black heart. But yeah. at least he can put on a face, which Lydia can't even do, around her own family. That's true. He has that much going for him. Hey, and he, it got him to where he is now. He's married. He has, an in, he has a living. Or not living, rather. He has an income. He's going to the regulars. It's such a succinct way to describe how Wickham succeeds in life. He got I, married. I, yeah, I even like the the looks handsome. It's so like like it's something that he actually puts effort into. I yeah, feel like. yeah. Uh, this is what he did. He looked handsome. <laughs> yeah. All right. And what does Mr. Bennett say? He is as fine a fellow, said Mr. Bennett, as soon as they were out of the house, as I ever saw. So we don't even get like a proper send off. It's just like, and now they're gone. They're gone. And Mr. Bennett yeah. is saying this. Um, he simpers, he smirks, and makes love to us all. <laughs> I am prodigiously proud of him. I defy even Sir William Lucas himself to produce a more valuable son-in-law. Okay, let's break this down. This is a great little Mr. Bennett speech. Uh, I also want to make clear that to make love at this time, and until very recently, meant to like woo and flirt, kind of. Yeah. It didn't mean like, you know, to engage in right. sexual activity. So Mr. Bennett's like, and we can imagine with what spirit to take this. <laughs> Wickham is as fine a fellow as ever I saw, and this is what Wickham does. He simpers, smirks, and flirts with us all, pretty much, right? Well, that's like the real, that's what's going on behind when Wickham, when it says Wickham, he smiled, looked handsome, and said many pretty things. Mr. Bennett is like, he simpers, he smirks, and he makes love to us all. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean to simper? Like, to, um, 
kiss ass, I think. I think so, for yeah. For lack of a better term. It just means, like, to kiss ass. Uh-huh. And this is, yeah, it's how Wickham has succeeded in life. And you got to give some credit to him that he is showing up. He's just abducted this daughter <laughs> and, like, been forced into a shotgun marriage because of his huge gambling debts. And now he is, like acting as charming as ever around the Bennetts. Well, in his mind, everything is not never his fault. Nothing is ever his fault. Everything was done to him, uh-huh. including this marriage. <laughs> All right, then Mr. Bennett goes on to say, I am prodigiously proud of him. Do you think that's true? I think this proud has a, a very, like, warped connotation for Mr. He's not proud of, like, his accomplishments and his deeds. He's proud that, like, well, he goes on to say... I defy even Sir William Lucas to produce a more valuable son-in-law. He's proud that, like, he has this, like, thing to laugh at now. Uh-huh. It's like, ha, I got this new, like, <laughs> I have this new thing in my life. I think that's a good point, because who is Sir William Lucas's son-in-law? Mr. Collins. So Mr. Bennett's like, I found, like, a son-in-law to laugh at even more than Mr. <laughs> Collins. <laughs> I thought you couldn't stop Mr. Collins for comic effect, but somehow I managed it. Yeah, I'm so proud that I was able to score this, like diamond in the rough uh-huh. to, to mock. The loss of her daughter made Mrs. Bennet very dull for several days. I often think, said she, that there is nothing so bad as parting with one's friends. One seems so forlorn without them. So I like this scene for Mrs. Bennet because this is how she acts when she's actually sad. Like mm-hmm. when she is like putting on a show, like when she thought Lydia had run away, she is like, you know, pretending she's an invalid, making everyone run around and do things for her. But when she's actually like sad, she just acts like kind of dull, right? <laughs> yeah. She just likes like acts uninterested and a little dazed. Yeah, she's just, I mean, I believe she's sort of like in a little bit of a depression for a couple of days. Like her favorite daughter's out of the house. I think this is a true depression where before <laughs> she didn't even understand what was happening. And she just knew that like people were being frantic. So I have to out frantic <laughs> everyone, right? Yeah. But here she is like actually a little affected. And it's also, this is kind of a sad speech. Like, friends has a little bit of a different meaning. It also means, like, connections and family. But I think it's also fair to say that Lydia's probably Mrs. Bennett's, like, tr- one true friend. Yeah. Even though I don't think Lydia thinks of Mrs. Bennett no, in the same Lydia way. No, Lydia is Mrs. Bennett's best friend. But Mrs. Bennett is not Lydia's best friend. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, like, think of Mrs. Bennett's other friends. Mrs. Long, like, the yeah. Lucases, the Gouldings. We never meet. We don't meet Mrs. Long either. But she, like, doesn't really like these people. No. She no, spends they're... most of her time trashing them. Yeah, they're her competition. Uh-huh. They're her frenemies. Even Aunt Phillips, I feel like. There's not a very affectionate relationship there. No. Well, Mrs. Phillips only came over to, quote-unquote, help the Bennets because she wanted to spread gossip around uh, town. And I think it's fair to say Mrs. Phillips is also a little jealous of Mrs. Bennet, and Mrs. Bennet senses that, too. Yeah. Or, like, at least invests Mrs. Like, she, Mrs. Bennet thinks Mrs. Phillips ought to be jealous of her, right? Yeah. Very different um, sisterly relationship than, like, Elizabeth and Jane. It's also not, like, a great look for her to be, like, calling her daughter her friend. I mean, I, I guess that's kind of sweet now, but that's not, like, an appropriate relationship at that time. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, you're her mother. It should not be, like, oh, I'm losing a friend. I mean, I, mean, I guess you can be, like, friends with your parents, but it, it is a strange way to look at Lydia as though she were, like, a friend. Like, almost like an equal. An equal. I think that's how Mrs. Bennett, especially now that Lydia's married. Mm-hmm. And Lydia is almost like a more prodigious, prodigious person than Mrs. Bennett is. Yeah. Well, also maybe, I don't know, maybe it's sort of like she's still 
perhaps not quite getting to the crux of why she's sad. It's like she's not saying, oh, to lose my daughter. She's saying one's friends. She's not quite letting herself feel like the true grief of like parting with your youngest daughter for potentially years. Mm -hmm. I don't think she's letting herself feel that quite yet. That's a great point. Yeah, because she doesn't say she's speaking in like philosophical terms. She's mm -hmm. not like, I feel sad. She's also she's saying that she's saying I often think mm -hmm. that there is nothing so bad as parting with one's friends. One seems so forlorn without them. She's not speaking about herself. She's just sort of like observing this, this universal feeling that she's not admitting that she feels quite right. And I, I think that, you know, it's Austin penetrating into the character when she says the loss of her daughter made Mrs. Bennett feel this way. Yeah. M Mrs. Bennett doesn't say that. She says, oh, it's often, it. One, people seem forlorn when they lose their friends, right? <laughs> yeah. She's not saying I'm forlorn. She's just saying one seems forlorn. Maybe that would be a little too much vulnerability for Mrs. Bennett to like admit in words, you know? Yeah, that's what I agree. I agree with that. Okay, well... <laughs> so, not quite as vulnerable as um, as she really is feeling in the moment, but it's 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 closer than anything else we've ever seen from her. She doesn't know how to express. This is her expressing real emotion. Yeah. Like the other emotions that we've seen Mrs. Bennett express are like her leaning into a performance. I feel like <laughs> yeah, performative. This one I think is less performative, but still a little bit performative because she's not talking about herself yet. Okay, well, all right, so what does Elizabeth say to this? Uh, Elizabeth says, This is the consequence you see, madam, of marrying a daughter. It must make you feel better satisfied that your other four are single. So I think in the same way that Austin can see this piece of dialogue from Mrs. Bennett and be like, it's about losing Lydia, Elizabeth has that same power too. Mm -hmm. She's like, I know this is why you're so sad because Lydia left, right? Yeah, Mrs. Bennett never says, oh, I miss Lydia. She just says... It must be sad to lose one's friends. And Elizabeth, like you said, picks up that, oh, Mrs. Bennett is signaling that she misses Lydia. And this is almost a direct challenge to Mrs. Bennett's, like, most dearly held project in life. I right? know, right? Uh -huh. Isn't that kind of sad? It's like, well, now she has accomplished her goal and it makes her feel kind of sad. Yeah. Well, well, it makes her feel sad because I think she was also, ex well... Uh, we'll get into it. But. Well, she was expecting Lydia and Wickham to live close to them. Yeah, she was looking uh -huh, at houses yeah. around the county and was like, nope, they're going to move far away, uh -huh. like on the other side of England, basically. Mrs. Bennett just thinks she can have it always, that she can marry her <laughs> daughters and like keep them in the same neighborhood as her. Yeah. Especially Lydia, who she likes far more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Okay. But... Maybe that is like, that's Mrs. Bennett's punishment, is that she has to lose her favorite daughter. Uh-huh. And I think that's why there's this madam in the middle of this uh, mm. dialogue from Elizabeth. It's like kind of, she is directly challenging Mrs. Bennett's life project here. Yeah. And so she's softening the blow a little bit. Like, this is what happens, madam, when <laughs> when your dreams come true, right? <laughs> yeah. You lose your daughters. Well, this is what marriage equals is like, you lose your daughters. They don't live in the house with you anymore. Right, right. So it must, and <laughs> she's like... It's like a it's like a soft joke. It must make you better satisfied that your other four is still single. Mm -hmm. Mrs. Bennett does not pick up on anything Elizabeth <laughs> is trying to tell her. She says, "It is no such thing. Lydia does not leave me because she is married, but only because her husband's regimen happens to be so far off. If that had been nearer, she would not have gone so soon. If the regimen had been nearer, right." Well, now she's just kind of like now she's 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 just like picking at syntax almost like. 
It's like, yeah, technically, but it's like you're like she doesn't let she doesn't again, it's just like she doesn't quite let her feelings um come out. Uh-huh. It's like it's not my hand it's not me that hit you, it's my hand, right? <laughs> kind of. It's not like it's she's not gone because of the marriage. She's gone because Wickham happens to be serving like in the north. And it's she's also totally I can't quite tell if she is purposely oblivious to the fact or is just like blithely ignoring it or is totally ignorant of the fact that that Wickham and Lydia have to move to the north to basically escape like the, the judgment <laughs> of the people that in their immediate circle, right? I don't think she's being willfully ignorant, but I do think just based off of what we've known her about her, like she's just been doing this for so long. It's like she almost doesn't quite know how to... Um, be completely vulnerable well okay as far as like i i think it's true like what you said that mrs bennett does not recognize the fact that they're going to like the north of england is an essential banishment mm. i don't think that is like something mrs bennett realizes what do you think oh no absolutely not she no like this is she thinks this is like a step up for lydia because the regulars are like a better military than the militia and She's just, and now she's just, yeah, like, she's just saying, like, oh, like, because Elizabeth is also trying to match, like, match universal truth with a universal truth. Like, like, Mrs. Bennett said, it feels, it must, one must be so sad to lose one's friends. And then Elizabeth says another sort of universal truth, like, that's, that's marriage for you. Like, that's what happens, mm -hmm. is that people leave when they get married. And, like, Mrs. Bennett shuts that down, like, instantly. She's like, oh, no, she's not gone because she's married. <laughs> Like, it just so happens that this particular instance, she's she has to be, be uh, sent away. Even though that's a direct result of the marriage. Yeah. But I guess, like, yeah, that would be too much. Mrs. Bennett, that would be too much for Mrs. Bennett to handle intellectually. That, like, yeah. the thing I've been working so hard for my daughters is what's going to take them away from me. Like, she's right. not going to be able to reconcile that in her brain. Right, because then she has to do it, like, four more times. Uh, she has to, well, with less favorited daughters, but she still has to say goodbye like if all four of them were to get married like my life project is actually going to make me sad like i don't think mrs bennett is like willing to admit that to herself what happens if her four if all of her daughters get married she's gonna have to be in an empty house with mr, mr. Bennett. bennett can you yeah. imagine like she would be she would be completely listless and like completely like bored and that's the best possible scenario for mrs bennett too yeah she just it doesn't it hasn't quite hit her even with her first daughter married like, maybe she lets it in her brain for a fraction of a second before she, like, like quashes it immediately or something like that. I don't know. That's that's what I think the psychology of Mrs. Bennett is like. Like, she'll let things enter her mind for a fraction of a second, and then she'll just, like, put it away instantly because it doesn't match her, like, life philosophy. Right. Yeah, her worldview or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Let's keep going. Okay. But the spiritless condition, which this event threw Mrs. Bennett into was shortly relieved, hmm. and her mind opened again to the agitation of hope by an article of news, which then began to be in circulation. Ooh. So don't worry, Mrs. Bennett is not beyond consolation. <laughs> A certain piece of news opens her mind, and I love this phrase, to the agitation of hope. I, I, this is definitely so accurate for Mrs. Bennett that hope throws her into agitation. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and what is this news? The housekeeper at Netherfield had received orders to prepare for the arrival of her master, who is coming down in a day or two, to shoot there for several weeks. 
And who is the master of Netherfield? Mr. Bingley. Mm. He's back. He's coming back to do some hunting <laughs> at Netherfield, or that's his official reason for yes, returning. For several weeks. Mrs. Bennett was quite in the fidgets. I bet. Another great, another great <laughs> phrase, quite in the fidgets. <laughs> I can just imagine what that looks like for Mrs. Bennett. In the fidgets, I love uh, that. I, I feel like she just couldn't, like, she can't sit still. She's constantly, like, up and about, like, doing little things, but those things have no, like, productive value whatsoever. Yeah, I imagine, like, maybe when Lydia has gone, has left, like, the first two or three days, she's, like, in a gray shawl, just kind of wandering around, like, Longbourn uh-huh. without real purpose. Yeah. And then she gets this piece of news, and then she just, like, throws her shawl off. She's like, what? What's going on? <laughs> Back to frantic, Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> yeah, the dull, the the very dull Mrs. Bennett is gone now. Uh, and like, and now she's returned. Like, what Elizabeth is telling her, like, did not sink in at all. Like, now I'm back to the project of getting my daughters married. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, like, what? Sad what? Marriage where? It's almost like Mrs. Bennett felt a sense of purpose- purposelessness for, like, a couple days. It's like, oh, so this is what it feels like to accomplish my like deepest held hopes and dreams right yeah and with her favorite daughter too Uh like i don't think she would feel this way if like if elizabeth got married no or even jane or even jane yeah yeah but her favorite but her favorite uh, is gone that's what really strikes home Mm -hmm. and that's great that's like you know austin arranged it that way that's great (laughs) like plotting that's a great like little revenge for austin to take on mrs bennett (laughs) yeah it's like you get your wish but Uh, as a result you can't ever basically see your daughter again okay yes so mrs bennett's quite in fidgets over the news that bingley is coming back to netherfield she looked at jane and smiled and shook her head by turns So they're just, like, sitting around, I like to imagine this, after Mrs. Bennett has heard the news, like, probably sewing or, like, killing time somehow, and Jane will look up and Mrs. Bennett is just, like, smiling at her, (laughs) (laughs) and then she'll, like, shake her head and be like, oh, (laughs) what I have in store for you. (laughs) Well, well, and so Mr. Bingley is coming down, sister. For Mrs. B- Mrs. Phillips first brought the news. This so this is, is what Mrs. Bennett is saying to Mrs. Phillips. Yeah, Mrs. Bennett finds out that Bingley's <laughs> coming to Netherfield through Mrs. Phillips. And well, she well. Yeah, she says. <laughs> and so she says, and so Mr. Bingley is coming down, which you just said to me. <laughs> well, so much the better. Not that I care about it, though. He is nothing to us, you know. And I am sure I never want to see him again. Mm. I don't want to see him again, but someone else might. But however... He is very welcome to come to Netherfield if he likes. Oh, thanks, Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> yeah, thanks for letting him come to his own house. Uh-huh. He, he's very welcome to come to his own home if he likes. <laughs> and who knows what may happen, but that is nothing to us. You know, sister, we agreed long ago never to mention a word about it. And so it is quite certain he is coming. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a question. So that's, I'm sorry uh, yeah. I didn't sell oh, that no, no, quite no. so much. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so I was like, oh, okay, he's here. Well, you know doesn't matter to me you know what's it to me if he's here whether or not whether you know but you know what you know who what could possibly happen while his ear is beyond me Uh so let us never speak of it again but so just we're clear he's actually coming right (laughs) yeah that's what she's saying she is switching like back and forth between these two different modes like several times in this one piece of dialogue there's just Uh so many thoughts going through her brain and she just word vomits them all out well, she's just so bad at keeping up appearances. Yeah. There's, like, one shred of Mrs. Bennet that is, like, I should keep up appearances a little bit, but she can't hold it together for more than one second. <laughs> you may depend on it, replied the other, replied Mrs. Phillips. 
For Mrs. Nichols, that must be the housekeeper. Of N Netherfield, yeah. yeah. Was in Meryton last night. I saw her passing by and went out myself on purpose to know the truth of it. And she told me that it was certain true. <laughs> That's some, I feel like maybe certain true is like, it's like, um, like low, low, like, what's the word? Like, it's like bad English. Uh-huh, like dialect. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's also a, it's kind of funny, the implications, like there's levels of truth. <laughs> but it's certain this truth. Certain true, yeah. It was certain true. He comes down on Thursday at the latest, very likely on Wednesday. She, Mrs. Nichols was going to the butcher's, she told me, on purpose to order in some meat on Wednesday, and she has got three couple of ducks just fit to be killed. So I assume that means six ducks. Yeah. Yeah. And very detailed. Um, uh -huh. But like, I, yeah, like Mrs. Bennett is like, oh, I don't, I don't give a fig whether or not Bingley's coming. Oh, but we, like, you're, you're sure he's coming, right? And then I love that Mrs. Phillips is more than happy to relate every last detail of mm -hmm. what she knows about the Bingley's arrival or Mr. Bingley's Ever arrival. Ever the gossip. Thank you, Mrs. Phillips, for being for being on top of this. Yeah, and, truly yeah. doing the Lord's work uh, here because we wouldn't have known had she not been at Meryton. And Mrs. Bennett needs this information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she doesn't want to hear it from anyone. If she's going to hear it from someone, it should be someone in the family, probably. Like, Lord forbid that uh, Lady Lucas should mm. drop this info before anyone else. Mrs. Bennett had not been able no, to... No, Miss Bennett. Oh, I'm sorry. Miss Bennett, Jane, that is, had not been able to hear of Bingley's coming without changing color. It was many months since she had mentioned his name to Elizabeth, but now, as soon as they were alone together, she said... I saw you look at me today, Lizzie, when my aunt told us of the present report, and I know I appeared distressed, but don't imagine it was from any silly cause. I was only confused for the moment because I felt that I should be looked at. I do assure you that the news does not affect me either with pleasure or pain. I am glad of one thing, that he comes alone, because we shall see the less of him. Not that I'm afraid of myself, but I dread other people's remarks. All right, so Jane hears Bingley's coming back, and she, like, flushes, right? Yeah. She and before, looks, yeah. She looks distressed. What are you going to say? Well, yeah, and, and then, like, before Elizabeth even says anything, she's like, oh, I know what you're going to say. I saw you looking at me, and I saw that you know that I look distressed. Mm. But don't imagine it was from any silly cause such as love, right? <laughs> what is the reason Jane says... What is Jane's reason that she says to Elizabeth of why she looked distressed on hearing the news of Bingley's return? She says, I was only confused for the moment because I felt that I should be looked at. I was, like, blushing, and I think confused means, like, a little, like, anxious looking, right? Mm -hmm. I was a little anxious for the moment, only because I know that people were gonna look at me when they heard the news, right? Yeah, yeah. But she's, and, yeah. Well, yeah, but then she says, like, but, oh, no, don't worry, like, this news doesn't actually affect me. I was only blushing and having a mild panic attack because I knew everyone was gonna look at me. <laughs> uh -huh. It's not because I have any feelings for Bingley left, right? Yeah, yeah. which we all know is, is completely false. How much does Jane believe this reason that she's giving? What do you think? That she doesn't care about Bingley. She was only blushing because she knew other people would be looking at her. I think she believes that's what she thinks. But you know what I mean? Like there's a layer. Mm -hmm. It's like what she's thinking. And then there's like what you think you think. I think she thinks she thinks she's okay. Yeah. But she still and then she goes on to say, I'm glad of one thing that he comes alone because we shall see the less of him. 
Yeah, so that's an immediate tell. Uh-huh. If you're so indifferent to the guy, why would you care whether or not you see more or less of him? Right. I think it's like if he came with the Bingley sisters, then there would be more excuses for the Bennets to go visit Netherfield, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that he came alone gives them less of an excuse to go visit. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy about that. I'm happy that I'll see the less of him. But don't worry, not because it's going to distress me to see him, right? But because of other people's remarks. Uh Yeah, it's back to other people. Mm. It's just other people are going to gossip. It doesn't affect me at all. The thing is, I think she is at least being partially honest here. It's like, she probably knows everyone's going to be looking at her reaction when they found out Bingley was here. And she also knows that, and she also will dread other people's remarks um, the more that she sees Bingley. So I think... She is clasp. She is like clasping onto a truth, mm-hmm. but she's she's not willing to admit like the obvious main reason why she is feeling flushed and anxious. Well, maybe for her own sanity, she has to believe that she doesn't have any affection for him left. Because think yeah. of the devastation if she lets her hope, like, her hopes get raised again and yeah. nothing comes of it once more, right? Right, right, right. And it is true that, like... This is all Mrs. Bennett's fault. <laughs> like, people are going to be looking at them especially because Mrs. Bennett, like, canvassed it about through the neighborhood last time that it was, their marriage was a sure thing. Yeah. As soon as Mrs. Phillips here told the family that Bingley was coming, what does Mrs. Bennett do? She immediately, like, makes a beeline for Jane's eyesight. Uh-huh, exactly. So. And she's like, I don't care, but someone else might. So <laughs> Someone in my family who might happen to be my eldest daughter, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah, but I dread other people's remarks. That's Mrs. Bennett's remarks mm. that she's gonna spread around town. Right, and possibly like gossip. Uh-huh. Gossip. Uh-huh. Elizabeth did not know what to make of it. Had she not seen him in Derbyshire, Mr. Bingley, she might have supposed him capable of coming here, coming there, with no other view than what was acknowledged. Which was to hunt there. Yeah. yeah. But she still thought him partial to Jane. <clears throat> and Elizabeth wavered as to the greater pop probability of Mr. Bingley coming here coming there with his friend's permission or being bold enough to come without it. Okay. All right, let's break this down yeah, a little okay. bit. So Elizabeth doesn't know quite what to make of this whole situation, right? Yeah, of Bingley suddenly coming back. Uh-huh. Had she not seen him in Derbyshire, I'm sure, do we all remember that when she met up with Bingley mm. in Derbyshire briefly? Very briefly. Uh-huh. And then um, she's trying to like suss out how Bingley was feeling and Bingley did ask Elizabeth about the well-being, A, the well-being of her family, and B, if all of the daughters were still at Longbourn, implying, oh, have any of your sisters, hint, hint, Jane, married? Uh-huh. I think, like, essentially what happens from that meeting is Elizabeth thinks that Bingley still has feelings for Jane, right? Yeah. So this is, like, shading her view of why he's coming back. Like, she's thinking, like, Well, you know, that meeting, if it hadn't been for that meeting, I would have just assumed he was really coming here to hunt, right? Mm -hmm. But I know he still has, like, something of a flame for Jane, so maybe he has other views in mind, right? Right. Uh And so she wavered as to what is, what could be, what is more likely, that Mr. Bingley is coming back to Netherfield with Darcy's permission, Mm -hmm. or is he bold enough to come back to netherfield without darcy's permission if bingley is coming back to re like reignite his affair or affair is not quite the right word but his courtship with jane right yeah is he doing it with darcy's permission or is he bold enough to do it without Darcy's permission? <laughs> that's also kind of funny it's like he has no backbone <laughs> it's like will he actually be bold enough to do something where, where that his friend doesn't support yet it is hard elizabeth sometimes thought that this poor man cannot come to a house which he has legally hired, 
without raising all the speculation, I will leave him to himself. Mm -hmm. So this, what is Elizabeth's conclusion from these, like, from going back and forth as to what's going on in Bingley's mind? She's kind of just like, I'm not going to think about it too much. Let the poor man live in his house in peace without the whole town, like, trying to figure out his reason when he gave his reason as hunting. Right. Yeah, this is Elizabeth showing herself as far more intellectually capable than Mrs. Bennet. Yeah. She's not going to be like, oh, he's allowed. I'll allow him to come here. <laughs> like, she recognizes that it's his own house, and it's kind of absurd that he can't just come, like, stay in his own house without people speculating as to what he's doing. Right. right? I mean, she is curious, obviously. That's why she's saying, I will emphasis on will leave him to myself to himself like i'm gonna make myself not think about it i'm willing myself really yeah <laughs> yeah in spite of what jane declared and really believed to be her feelings mm. what oh, go on go on oh, yeah in the ex in the expectation of his arrival jane could oh, sorry elizabeth could easily perceive that her spirits were affected by it let me do that again in Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, it's good. In spite of what Jane declared and really believed to be her feelings in the expectation of his arrival, Elizabeth could easily perceive that Jane's spirits were affected by it, by his arrival. So Austin is telling us Jane really does believe that she is over Bingley and she's just distressed because of what other people are going to think, right? I don't know. See, I even underlined this part really believed to be her feelings. It's not what they are her feelings. It's what Jane believed to be her feelings. It's what she believes. Jane believes that this is true. But yeah. Elizabeth can sense that beyond what Jane believes, she's still affected by Bingley's arrival, right? Yeah. So if there was any doubt, this sort of confirms that Jane is not obviously like completely unaffected by Bingley's arrival. Elizabeth can easily perceive it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> her spirits were more disturbed, more unequal than she had often seen them. So yeah, Liz Jane is clearly not, um, well. <laughs> Jane is clearly not just in her normal, like, mode. She is distressed. She's worried about more than what people are going to say, mm. I think, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Then it says, The subject which had been so warmly ca canvassed between their parents about 12 months ago was now brought forward again. That's I love that. Mm -hmm. The subject, which had been so warmly canvassed between their parents about a 12 month ago, were now brought forward again. Like, it is, it's such, it's so great because now, I mean, what is it referring to? Okay, well, here, we'll read Mrs. Bennett's piece of dialogue. Okay. As soon as ever Mr. Bingley comes, my dear, speaking to Mr. Bennett, said Mrs. Bennett, you will wait on him, of course. So right. we've come full circle. Yes. What's going on here? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's going all the way back to chapter one. Uh -huh. You know, Netherfield Park has been let at last again. <laughs> <laughs> this happened about exactly one year ago. Yeah. About a 12 month ago. This book, I think, takes takes place in a, in one year, right? I, I think so, just about. We don't yeah. have very much time left. So mm -hmm. if that was about a 12 month ago, it's probably safe to assume that the, the time span of this book is about a year. Yeah. Wow, so much has happened. Which is about how long it's taking us to record the podcast. That's true. Real time. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I love it. It's just like full, we've come back around again. Yes. Mrs. Bennett is trying to get Mr. Bennett to go visit Netherfield yeah. to talk to Bingley and Mr. Bennett doesn't want to do it. He's living in like his perpetual Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this, the subject, so the subject is Mr. Bennett go visit Bingley at Netherfield. Yes. 
which had been so warmly canvassed between Mr. and Mrs. Bennet. I think, like, warmly, like, kind of argued, like, slash discussed, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because they did sort of have a back and forth in Chapter 1. You know, Mr. Bennet is like, oh, like, if you want to see him so much, you go see him yourself. And, yeah, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So Mrs. Bennet says, yes, as soon as ever Mr. Bingley comes, my dear, you will wait on him, of course. And Mr. Bennet goes, no, no. You forced me into visiting him last year and promised if I went to see him, he should marry one of my daughters. But it ended in nothing. And I will not be sent on a fool's errand again. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Bennett is joking here. It's not like he, like, really cared that much about whether Bingley and Jane were going to get married. But I think this is a convenient excuse and also kind of a funny joke and a way to remind Mrs. Bennett how wrong she was, right? And also, like, it... Yeah, and also, like, in it, um... Mr. Bennett does pay attention to Mrs. Bennett in that he knows it's her lifelong goal to get married. So uh-huh. he's kind of like joking, like, you promised me that one of our daughters would be married and you and you broke that promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be sent on another fool's errand, right? <laughs> uh, just also, this is a thought I had about the first chapter, like, a year too late. But um, <laughs> it's. I think I mentioned it also in the first episode. It's just great that it starts with the parents, with the elder generation. Because mm. they're the ones who... Um, control the lives of the younger generation. So it makes sense. Uh Uh-huh. It's kind of of also an interesting intro into, like, this is how we're going to meet these young young Mm. people in love. Like, look at this terribly disappointing (laughs) marriage between these old people. Ah, you're right. It adds a really, like, kind of sad futility to it. But it also adds stake in that, like, this is the marriage we have to avoid, right? Yeah, yeah. It also, you know, provides, like, a place where the younger generation can do better. Uh, <laughs> they can right. aspire to be better than their parents. Isn't that isn't that what we all want for the next generation to do better? <laughs> well, and then this is almost like by repeating, we get to see the cycle repeat yeah. within the same like narrative. Like <laughs> Bingley's back, we're reliving the same moment. <laughs> At least in Mr. Bennett's mind, he truly is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. His wife, Mr. Bennett's wife, represented to him how absolutely necessary such an attention would be from all the neighboring gentlemen on Bingley's returning to Netherfield. "'Tis an etiquette I despise,' said he. "'If he wants our society, let him seek it. "'He knows where I live. "'I will not spend my hours in running after my neighbors "'every time they go away and come back again.'" (laughs) I mean, it's only happened once. Uh But Mr. Bennett kind of, I can sort of see his point. It's like, he's kind of being sent on a fool's errand again. It's like, we already did this. (laughs) I already went once and made the connection. Yeah, Uh if he wants to see me, he knows where I am. The door's right there. <laughs> right. But in the meantime, get out of my library. <laughs> Mrs. Bennett says, Well, all I know is that it will be abominably rude if you do not wait on him. But however, that that shan't prevent me, that shan't prevent my asking him to dine here. I am determined. We must have Mrs. Long and the Goulding soon. That will make 13 with ourselves, so there will be just room at table for him. So Mrs. Bennett, well, this is an important difference. The connection has been made already, so it's mm. not quite so, so rude slash such a uh, breach of decorum for Mrs. Bennett to go make the invitation herself, right? Yeah, and it's not such a huge breach for Mr. Bennett to not make an invitation because he already did. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he's, she's like, I'm determined 
that despite my own husband getting in my way, I will invite Mr. Bingley to dinner. And this this party with Mrs. Long and the Goulding's, this is something she pieces together in that moment, I'm convinced. Because <laughs> she says we must have Mrs. Long and the Goulding soon. This is an idea she has right in that moment. Yeah, she's not I, like, oh, it's been a while since we've had Mrs. Long and the Goulding's. No, she's like, and now, and oh, in addition to Mr. Bingley will also bring these other two families, and then that'll be 13 of us, and uh, he can sit smack in the middle. Yeah, it's not like, oh, you know, I was having a party with the Gouldings and Mrs. Long anyway. Bingley would be a great guest to arrive. It's like, oh, she comes up with the idea to have the party in this moment <laughs> as a contrivance to get Bingley to come over. Mm -hmm. She's thinking like, what 13 people do I know, right? <laughs> what odd number can I invite over so that Bingley would make the perfect, like, match? Ah, uh, yes. Oh, you're right, yeah. Well, there's 13 of them, so let's just, let's tack on Bingley to make she's, an even 14. She's doing the math in her head. How can I work this out? <laughs> Consoled by this resolution, she was the better able to bear her husband's incivility. Though it was very mortifying to know that her neighbors might all see Mr. Bingley in consequence of it, in consequence of Mr. Bennett's negligence, before they did. Mm. As the okay, so Mrs. Bennett is a little consoled by the fact that she's going to invite Mr. Bingley to dinner, but she's still upset that other people might see Bingley first before yeah. the Bennetts get a chance to. Right? Well, it was mortifying. Yeah, not it's not mortifying that her daughter basically um, ran away with someone unmarried and lived with him in sin for two weeks. It's mortifying that. This man who just lives in town is going to see another family before seeing uh, the Bennetts. What if he should see the Lucases first? How will I ever live that down? <laughs> Lord forbid he should see Mrs. Long first. <laughs> All right. As the day of, of Bingley's arrival drew near... I begin to be sorry that he comes at all, said Jane to her sister, Elizabeth. It would be nothing. I could see him with perfect indifference, but I can hardly bear to hear it thus perpetually talked of. My mother means well, but she does not know, no one can know, how much I suffer from what she says. Happy shall I be when his stay at Netherfield is over! Mm -hmm. Exclamation point. Yeah, Jane is just like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear the name Bingley anymore. <laughs> and of course, Mrs. Bennet, I'm sure, has been prattling on about it all day long, yeah. right? Bingley, Bingley, Bingley! <laughs> My mother means well. <laughs> what, no, what can what? we make of that? Well, she's saying, like, this is Jane talk. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, she's not. Well, she first she's talking in like um, non-specific. It's like she's saying like, "Oh, I could see him with perfect indifference, but I can hardly bear to hear thus perpetually talked of." Mm -hmm. Not not like so and so talking perpetually of it, but just thus per per perpetually talked of, and then she follows that immediately with, "My mother means well." <laughs> yeah, that's who's perpetually talking about it. Uh... <laughs> but she does not know. No one can know how much I suffer from what she says. Well, no, so now she's completely doing um, a 180 on what she was saying about being, like, completely um, indifferent towards Bingley. Mm -hmm. Because now she's saying, like, I'm in so much agony just at the at the hearing his name and my mother has no idea. No one has any idea how much pain I'm in. Yeah, it's also, like, the construction that's being put on it. It's not like she's just seeing Bingley and it's like, oh, this is a little awkward, but, you know, I was going to have to see him eventually. It's Mrs. Bennett, like talking in a way as to make it seem like, oh, she is still, she still thinks this is a thing that she can bring together, right? Yeah. A marriage that she can make happen. And I believe Jane here when she's like, she, I mean, Jane is clearly annoyed, for lack of a better word. She is getting, like, if she's not, like, distressed and, like, you know, freaking out over seeing her, like, former lover again, she is, like, annoyed by her mom. And because she's being put on, like, put out to put out, like, on a stage again, just to get hurt again, potentially. 
I, yeah. So, yeah, so she's, you know, I, yeah, so I just, I, I believe her when she's saying, like, hap, or when she's just, like, being annoyed by her mother. And I just, like, my mother means well. Like, I don't think Mrs. Bennett means well or ill, you know? I don't think Mrs. Bennett has the capacity almost to, like, make that differenti- to differentiate in her mind. It's just, like, she acts, like, she's almost a primal creature. <laughs> she just acts as, like, according to her whim, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, just because she doesn't mean unwell, she doesn't want to do bad things, doesn't mean that she means well. But I think in Jane's mind, it's like, as long as you're not an evil person, you must mean well. In Jane's mind, everyone but means also, well. Yeah. yeah. Even Wickham means well in Jane's mind. Right, right. Okay. But, again, it's also like, you know, like, Jane always kind of says the opposite of what she's feeling. So when she says, my mother means well, I think she's saying to Elizabeth, like, my mother is pissing me off. <laughs> Yeah, she wouldn't say that unless she was being pissed off, probably. <laughs> unless someone was doing something bad. <laughs> I wish I could say anything to comfort you, replied Elizabeth, but it is wholly out of my power. You must feel it. And the usual satisfaction of preaching patience to a sufferer is denied me because you have always so much patience, that is. Mm-hmm. So Elizabeth's like, I don't even know how to comfort you. Like, Normally, in a situation like this, I would just tell you to be patient, but you are so full of patience, you're so much more patient than I am, that I can't, like, really tell you that advice, right? Yeah. Mr. Bingley arrived. Presumably, it means, like, he arrived at Netherfield. Mm -hmm. He has arrived, and the bells rang throughout the town. (laughs) Um, Mrs. Bennet, through the assistance of servants, contrived to have the earliest tidings of it, of his arrival. Mm Mm-hmm. That the period of anxiety and fretfulness on her side must be as long as it could. Yeah. So I assume, like, the assistance of, like, her own servants and the servants at Netherfield, probably. Mm -hmm. She somehow contrives so that she knows exactly when Bingley walks through the door of Netherfield, right? To, like, the minute Uh (laughs) of when Mr. Bingley has arrived at Netherfield. And she wanted to have the earliest tidings of it so that the period of anxiety and fretfulness on her side might be as long as it could. <laughs> so she could stress out about why she hasn't seen Bingley yet from the very moment that he gets there, right? Yeah. Not a minute can go by where Mr. Bingley is in his house. Can Mrs. Bennet not be aware of it and not immediately start fretting about it? <laughs> it's been 10 minutes. Why haven't we talked to Bingley yet? <laughs> uh, and I think that's a little sarcastic. It's not like Mrs. Bennet, like, consciously wants to know the exact minute he arrives at Netherfield so she can be anxious and fretful. But that's, like, the kind of the result of it, right? Yeah. Because if she's not anxiety-riddled and fretful, like, what is she doing? She's moping around the house, listless and, like, uninspired. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. This is, like, one of those moments of Austin has, like, a greater insight into the psychology of a character than they know of themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's, like, it's fair to say Mrs. Bennett feels, like, some, like, elation at the anxiety and fretfulness that this kind of causes, right? It gives her something to do. Yeah, uh, she's, she's feeling like her normal self again. There's, like, a, a skip in her step now. <laughs> this is true. This is, like, Mrs. Uh, Bennett's journey in this chapter. She goes from being dejected over, like, the loss of her one daughter because of marriage to, like, reanimating her spirits through another marriage project. <laughs> Mrs. Bennet counted the days that must intervene before their invitation could be sent. So she's like, she's thinking like, what is the number of, what is the minimum number of days where it's appropriate before I can send out an invitation? Mm -hmm. Hopeless of seeing, oh, hopeless of seeing him before. 
Um, yeah, she's hopeless that she would see Bingley before, like, they could appropriately send an invitation to him, right? Yeah. But on the third morning after his arrival in Hertfordshire... Mm, very Christ-like. <laughs> she saw him from her dressing room window entering the paddock and ride towards the house. This is another full circle moment because who sees Bingley from... I, th I think the daughters see Bingley from the dressing room window yeah, as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, for the very first time he arrives at the house in his blue coat. Kind of like a pretty intimate place for mrs bennett to be right that's not a coincidence yeah you know she's in her dressing room she's <laughs> probably, has, like, Lee right yeah, she's probably horse, got uh -huh. like i don't know curls in her hair or something uh, not quite ready to not quite dressed yet probably I mean, in some state of undress yeah, yeah this is the morning remember right <laughs> um it's just another like beautiful moment a full circle you know this is not a coincidence like this is very carefully plotted yeah i do like um to go a little bit off topic, I do like how this scene um, is presented in the the 2005 movie, where they're kind of um, the Mrs. Bennett and the daughters are kind of just like lounging around in the. Oh, I remember that. The, yeah. um, what is it like the, not the dressing room, the like the drawing room. The drawing room, right? yeah. yeah. And then they see that I don't know. They see he's coming, and they're all like frantically trying to like make themselves presentable. And I think Mrs. Bennett is like napping on the settee or something like that. I like. I also like that moment because it's an interesting insight into what most of their time would have been. <laughs> how like how really they would have spent their time, the majority of it, which is just sitting around whiling away the minutes, yeah. right? But I do quibble with it. It's placement at this moment because I don't think Mrs. Bennett would be falling asleep when she knows Bingley's in the neighborhood. Perhaps yes. Maybe she just tired herself. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really, think I like the dressing room a little bit more. I do too. Yeah, yeah, it would have been an interesting thing to see her like in her like petticoat or something. Not her petticoat. Yeah, in her like just her like her petticoat, like seeing him out the window and like all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to expedite this meeting. You know, she thought she had it in control. She was like counting down the days, and now it's like, oh, actually he's coming to see them. Uh -huh. You know, as if, yeah, it's just like another thing of like this is like almost her second punishment is that she's not ready to see him yet right yeah or it's like she's not the orchestrator of yeah this exactly moment, right yeah well we'll <laughs> soon see who is the orchestrator of this moment i do like that moment because like i said it, it's an interesting insight into the the life of a regency woman really <laughs> uh, and that's kind of what austin a lot of austin's life probably would have looked like you know yeah just sitting, sitting in the drawing room doing needlework maybe writing pride and prejudice under her cover paper oh yeah that's right uh okay yeah but this is also it's just like it's an interesting full circle moment that we go from the daughters spying mr bingley riding up to mrs bennett herself right <laughs> yeah this is her her moment to be young again uh -huh. to be young and in love again it's almost like such a per like a perverse kind of way of like a perverse uh way of presenting this scene that it's the mother who sees bingley riding up and yeah. she's way more excited than jane would have been in this moment oh yeah yeah okay all okay. right her daughters were eagerly called to partake of her joy. Her joy. The joy this is <laughs> this causes for her, right? Uh -huh. Jane resolutely kept her place at the table. But Elizabeth, to satisfy her mother, went to the window. She looked. She saw Mr. Darcy with him and sat down again by her sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. It's, I, can, I can imagine just her, like, walking up to the window, seeing Mr. Darcy, and, like, doing an immediate 180 and walking back to Jane. Uh -huh. It's also interesting, so that the questions brought up earlier, is Bingley going to be here with Darcy's permission or without? Yeah. And this is, uh, the answer is with. He doesn't <laughs> do anything without Darcy's permission. <laughs> well, it also 
it's it's uh it, it obviously indicates that Mr. Darcy has given his blessing to, uh, yeah. for whatever Mr. Bingley may do. It's great that, you know, the two men riding up together. And this is hilarious, like, physical comedy. The the Elizabeth standing up, seeing Darcy, and then joining the exact same position as Jane is in, right? Both of them just, like, in a state of, like, panic. <laughs> like, subdued panic. Not like Mrs. Bennet panic. Mrs. Bennet is joyous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> she is like, this is for me. Bingley is here to see me, right? Yes. Um, okay. There's a gentleman with him, Mama, said Kitty. Who can it be? Some acquaintance or other, my dear, I suppose. I am sure I do not know. <laughs> this is Mrs. Bennet talking. La, replied Kitty. It <laughs> looks just like that man that used to be with him before. Mr. What's-his-name? That tall, proud man? Good gracious! Mr. Darcy. <laughs> I like that Kitty doesn't remember his name. <laughs> La! <Locker. laughs> yeah. Mr. What's-his-face. <laughs> well, he doesn't signify to anyone... In the family, other than Elizabeth and Jane a little bit, but she still doesn't know the full extent. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah. what does Mrs. Bennet say? She uh, says, good gracious, Mr. Darcy. I like that. that immediately, tall, proud man must be Mr. Darcy. Friend <laughs> of Bingley must be Mr. Darcy. Mr. What's-his-name. <laughs> I love that. Actually, yeah, it also is another sort of, like, slight humbling of Mr. Darcy. Like, Kitty cannot even be bothered to learn his name. Uh -huh. he, he acts so proud and high and mighty, and, like, Kitty does not even care about his name well this is a great example of how like the you know the world of austin is like fully thought out and real and that like other characters are indifferent to the <laughs> highest drama in the book right? yeah yeah like in a lesser story a much more melodramatic move would be like kitty is like oh i you know i recognize mr darcy and what's mr darcy doing with him that tall <laughs> proud handsome man but here it's like she can't even remember his name mr what's his name <laughs> she's been living an entirely different world than we have yeah yeah completely unaware of the family drama. Um, okay, and so Mrs. Bennet goes, good gracious, Mr. Darcy, and so it does, I vow. <laughs> um, well, any friend of Mr. Bingley's will always be welcome here, to be sure. But else, I must say that I hate the very sight of him. <laughs> yeah, all they know of Darcy is what they've previously seen of him in Meryton. Mm -hmm. Jane looked at Elizabeth with surprise and concern. She knew but little of their meeting in Derbyshire, and therefore felt for the awkwardness which must attend her sister in seeing Darcy almost for the first time after receiving his explanatory letter. So basically Jane thinks the last time Elizabeth and Darcy interacted was all the way back in Kent at Rosings, right? Yeah, the failed proposal. And does Jane know about the explanatory letter? Did Elizabeth describe it? Yes. Yeah. yeah, she knows about it because they both know about Wickham's true character. That's right, yes. Yeah, but she doesn't know about what all went down. In mm -hmm. Derbyshire with the gardeners. Nope. What happened that <clears throat> summer? That summer in in Derbyshire. Yeah. So Jane is like, this is going to be awkward for Elizabeth, but not for the reason that I think. I don't quite know the whole story here. Mm -hmm. uh, both sisters were uncomfortable enough. Mm. Each felt for the other, and of course for themselves. And their mother talked on of her dislike of Mr. Darcy and her resolution to be civil to him only as Mr. Bingley's friend. Without being heard by either of them, <laughs> either Jane or Elizabeth. So this is all in the moment that they're waiting for them to <laughs> ride all the way up to the house, right? Yeah. She's going on and on about how much she hates Darcy, but Jane and Elizabeth can't pay any attention to her. No, it's like, it's just like, to them, like, like Charlie Brown's teacher. Like, they can't hear what she's saying. Mm -hmm. Um... 
But Elizabeth had sources of uneasiness which could not be suspected by Jane, to whom she had never yet had the courage to show Mrs. Gardner's letter or to relate her own change of sentiment towards him. So not even Jane knows about what Darcy did for Kitty, right? Mm. To Lydia. For Lydia. You <clears throat> for Lydia. Yeah. I'm sorry. Nothing for Kitty. <laughs> no, Mr. What's Mr. What's his name? To Jane, he could only be a man whose proposals Elizabeth had refused and whose merit Elizabeth had undervalued. But to her own more extensive, Im- but to Elizabeth's own more extensive information, he was the person to whom the whole family were indebted for the first of benefits and whom Elizabeth regarded herself with an interest, if not quite so tender, at least as reasonable and just as what Jane felt for Bingley. This is interesting. So the feelings Elizabeth has towards Darcy are as reasonable and just as the affection between Jane and Bingley, but they're not so tender. Hmm. How do you read that? Well, I think it's like... Thus far, at least in in my opinion, what I've seen so far is like, like Elizabeth certainly respects and admires and um, obviously and really regrets rejecting the proposal. But I guess it's like there isn't that like there isn't that like tender like love there. I don't think they've had quite the same opportunity as Jane and Bingley to like talk one on one to really get acquainted. Yeah. Every time they talk, it's about something else. Uh-huh. It's like they've never actually, there's never actually been a courtship between Darcy and Elizabeth. Right. And they have such like a varied like history. There's been so much that has gone on between them. And a lot of it has been like in conflict kind of. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we're, we're, we're not <clears throat> quite there yet. But Elizabeth, and Elizabeth recognizes that. She says that like, my feelings are at least as reasonable and just as what Jane is feeling for Bingley but not quite the, like, not as, like, sappy yet. Not quite, like, lovey-dovey Uh-huh. Yet. My brain is fully in for Darcy, but maybe my heart is, like, three-fourths in. <laughs> 75%, right? Her astonishment at his coming, Elizabeth's astonishment at Darcy coming, at his coming to Netherfield, to Longbourn, and voluntarily seeking her again, was almost equal to what she had known on first witnessing his altered behavior in Derbyshire. Hmm. So her astonishment is just as great as when she saw him well, acting. Well, almost as equal. Uh, almost equal. Okay, all right. So almost as great as what she felt in observing how different he was in Derbyshire, right? Well, that's one thing going for him. He continues to surprise her. Uh-huh. So number one is her astonishment at Darcy's <clears throat> behavior towards the gardeners while they were at Derbyshire. Number two is the astonishment at the fact that he's here right now. A close number two. Yeah, here he is again. Not only has he come to Netherfield, he's come to Longbourn, among these people that we know he doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. Uh He deigns to set foot in Longbourn. (laughs) Like, is he going to be, like, is he going to be as nice to the Bennets as he was to the Gardeners, you know? Yeah. We'll we'll see. Mm -hmm. Had he ever been to, has he ever been to Longbourn? Was he at one of any of the parties that Mrs. Bennet threw? You're, you're exposing my, my ignorance here. I don't know. Okay. We'll have to look. I can't, I, I just think like, I don't know, if maybe if the whole neighborhood thought he was like the worst man, maybe he's been at parties where Bingley has been and maybe some of those parties were at Longbourn. I don't think he's been at Longbourn. You don't think I so? I can't remember a moment. Okay. I don't remember a scene of him being there at least. Right. Me neither. Well, okay. 
I might be, he might have thought it was beneath him. Yeah. Like in another lifetime, <laughs> a little under a year ago. Mm -hmm. Okay. The color which had been driven from her face, from Elizabeth's face, right? Mm -hmm. Returned for half a minute with an additional glow and a smile of delight added luster to her eyes as she thought for that space of time that his affection and wishes must still be unshaken, but she would not be secure. She would Ooh. not be sure. So she's like pale with like surprise at this moment, right? But then she like, her face flushes again and <laughs> returns with an additional glow and a luster of delight is added to her eyes as she thinks for a short space of time that maybe Darcy's affection and his wishes to marry her are still unshaken despite this whole Lydia fiasco, right? Yeah. But she's not going to be sure about that. I like that. I think Elizabeth... This shows that she's she's become a much better judge of character, even mm -hmm. of, of herself. I think it's safe to say that like she should be she should be feeling um, what is it? She should be feeling an additional glow as well and have a smile of delight, which adds luster to her eyes. I think she's comp I think she's hitting it right on the head here. Yeah, it's not a reasonable thing that Darcy's here for her. Of course he is, yeah. right? Oh, uh -huh. I like this. I like this for Elizabeth. <laughs> It's a good feeling to think that the person you like likes you back. Uh-huh. But she's not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, she says, let me see how he behaves, said she. It will then be early enough for expectation. I think that means um, that's something more might come of it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to see how he behaves first, and then I'll, like, start expecting what he's going to do next. And then I'll start planning for wedding kids. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. She, Elizabeth sat intently at work at needlework, mm -hmm. striving to be composed and without daring to lift up her eyes till anxious curiosity carried them to the face of her sister as the servant was approaching the door. Mm. It's like we are like the seconds are counting down to like when Mr. Bingley will enter the room. Uh -huh. Jane looked a little paler than usual, but more sedate than Elizabeth had expected. On the gentleman's appearing, her color increased. And, oh, Jane's color increased. Yet, she received them with tolerable ease and with a propriety of behavior equally free from any symptom of resentment or any unnecessary complacence. So, Jane is, like, even though she's a little pale, a little bit more sedate than normal, she is able to, like, meet them, like, with tolerable ease, mm -hmm. right? She's neither, like, showing resentment towards Bingley or being, like, overly like and complacent i guess what like what what's another like, word for that overly like oh like like a like a mrs bennett type yeah right she's not she's just acting normally basically she's not acting resentful and she's not acting like weirdly nice kind of <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, exactly. uh, yeah weirdly nice yeah elizabeth said as little to either as civility would allow and sat down again to her work with an eagerness which it did not often command. <laughs> her, her needlework, that yeah, is. That's, uh -huh. that's so funny. she is way more eager to sew now than she almost ever is. <laughs> she adventured only one glance at Darcy. He looked serious as usual, and she thought, more as he had been used to look at Hertfordshire than as she had, she than as she had seen him in Pemberley. Mm. So he looks more like she used to know him than he looked in Derbyshire when she just saw him recently in Pemberley yeah. in his own home. Right. Well, he's out of his, he's out of his element. Uh -huh. He is in the house of the family he despises or has very conflicted feelings towards. I think this is also a little insight into Darcy that like, 
Elizabeth now knows that, like, proud and reserved is not his natural state. Like, yeah. when he's in a com- an environment he's comfortable with, that's not really how he acts all the time. Right. But when he's around people like the Bennets, that's how he acts. <laughs> uh, okay. But perhaps he could not, in her mother's presence, be what he was before her uncle and aunt. So, like what I was saying, like, when he's with people he likes, he acts charming. When he's with people he doesn't like, he has a hard time making a show of it, right? Right. It was a painful, but not an improbable conjecture. Yeah. This is also, we'll talk about this. I imagine we'll have lots and lots to say about the last sentence. No spoiler. But this is kind of preparing us, I think, for that, for Mm. where we reach. And and the implication of this, like, statement is that Elizabeth, even though she has this terrible immediate family, she does have connections that Darcy, like, likes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it is painful that she has to realize that, like, oh, my immediate family is such, is so horrible. But the gardeners, I at least have the gardeners. Thank God for the gardeners, right? (laughs) Bingley, she had likewise seen for an instant... Like, she only really looks up at Bingley for an instant, which mm-hmm. is, this, that's what this is saying. Mm-hmm. And in that short period, saw him looking both pleased and embarrassed. He was received by Mrs. Bennet with a degree of civility, which made her two daughters ashamed. <laughs> so, like, in the same way that Jane is not acting unnecessarily complacent, Mrs. Mrs. Bennet, Bennet is. is yeah. yeah, she was being way too weirdly nice to <laughs> Bingley, right? Yes. Especially... This degree of civility ashames her daughters, especially when it's contrasted with the cold and ceremonious politeness of her curtsy and address to Bingley's friend, Mm. a.k.a. Darcy. Mm. So in one corner, Mrs. Bennet is, like, slobbering all over (laughs) Bingley, and in the other corner, she, like, is barely, like, she's making the slightest of haughty looks at Darcy and, like, curtsying very, like, slightly, right? Yeah, Uh, she, like, barely acknowledges Darcy in the room. Um, And here's an interesting... um, contrast between Bingley here he's looking pleased and embarrassed because he knows that he has not been acting all that gentlemanly Mm. um compared with Wickham who is all smiles all charm like Uh nothing happened yeah so here we have Bingley with at least a modicum of humility being like okay yeah I kind of messed up by saying I was going to come back to essentially propose to your daughter and then I went away for a year Yes, Bingley's biggest fault is that he's too trusting, which is an, like an appropriate person to pair with Jane then, because Jane is also very trusting. <laughs> I don't know, maybe they would actually indulge each other's worst behaviors and be way too trusting, but maybe Bingley is not malignant in the same way Wickham is. I think it's fair to say he just makes a mistake, yeah. and it's not entirely his fault. No, it's not entirely his but fault. But he should have had a, more of a backbone. Yeah, he is the master of a household. He should be able to dictate his own life. And of course, there's also the surface explanation of why he's looking embarrassed, which is Mrs. Bennet is slobbering oh, yeah, all over also, him too, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Um, Elizabeth particularly, who knew that her mother owed it to the latter, to Mr. Darcy, mm-hmm. the preservation of Mrs. Bennet's favorite daughter from irredeemable <laughs> was hurt and distressed to a most painful degree by his distinction so ill applied. All right. Yeah. So this is the this is a, actually a very good example of dramatic irony that mm-hmm. Mrs. Bennet is acting like so shittily toward Darcy. Meanwhile, he was the person who like saved her daughter from like being a social outcast, right? From being a disgrace to the family. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what it's saying when Elizabeth's hurt and distressed by a distinction, a distinction that Mrs. Bennet is applying illy towards Mr. Darcy. 
that she is like singling him out and basically giving him the cold shoulder when actually he is like the sole reason that her daughter is like married and uh-huh. not living as basically a prostitute in London. <laughs> right. Could have been so much worse for Lydia. Darcy made it happen. Mrs. Bennett has no knowledge of it and now she's acting like a jerk towards Darcy. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, that's going to distress Elizabeth. She's the only person in the room with this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Oh, and well, Darcy also has it, right. but I what is Darcy thinking in this moment? It's kind of hard to say. What were you going to say? I want to believe he's I think it's interesting because I think Elizabeth thinks in this moment that Darcy's holding all of the power. But I think Darcy is on his best behavior, too. Uh-huh. He knows, I think coming in, he, well, that's why he came, to say to look at, to see Elizabeth. And I think maybe also to show, like, I can be I can be civil in front of your parents. I, I'm going to make this trip to your parents' house. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I'm going to, like, be on my best behavior. Like, he's, he's not, also he's also on trial here. Right. He's not being charming, but he's not being as, like, proud and uncivil as he has been. Right. I think this is a, re- a little bit of a reversion back to, like, Huntsford Parsonage Darcy. This is, like, mm. shy, awkward Darcy in this moment. <laughs> maybe. Shy, awkward when not coupled with, like, like, enraged, like... Um, hatred towards Yeah, Mrs. I could, Bennett. like, what is this, my, like, what are his reactions to Mrs. Bennett's, like, I don't know, her incivility in this moment, right? Yeah, I think in this moment he has to just kind of let them slide. <laughs> like, moments of rage flash through his <laughs> eyes and then he just lets it go. Yeah. It's like, I'm here for Elizabeth. <laughs> Who are you doing this for? <laughs> uh. <laughs> eyes on the prize. <laughs> Darcy, after inquiring Elizabeth, of Elizabeth, how Mr. and Mrs. Gardner did... A question which she could not answer without confusion said scarcely anything. So Darcy is not saying much, but he does ask Elizabeth how Mr. and Mrs. Gardner are doing. Mm -hmm. And Elizabeth can't answer this question without feeling confusion. There's that word again. That means more like anxiety, I think, is a safe thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Because right now, because in doing so, he and Elizabeth are sort of like in cahoots pretending that he didn't single-handedly pay off wickham's dads and get lydia and get him hitched to lydia right like that he's they're play acting together and let's remember that he's he has seen the gardeners more recently than elizabeth has yeah yeah he saw them in london uh-huh. <laughs> also it's just like i think she's a little like you know it makes her a little anxious that he's talking to her at all in this moment too let alone talking about the gardeners yeah because like in her head she's like a what are you doing here and b why are you asking me about the gardeners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Don't you know? <laughs> Didn't you see them last? Darcy was not seated by her, by Elizabeth. Perhaps that was the reason of his silence. But it had not been so in Derbyshire. Like, even though they weren't seated together, Darcy talked a lot. Not even to Elizabeth, just to everyone, right? Mm-hmm. There, he had talked to her friends when he could not talk to herself. The gardeners. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now, several minutes elapsed without bringing the sound of his voice. And when occasionally, unable to resist the impulse of curiosity, she raised her eyes to Darcy's face, she has often found him looking at Jane, as at herself, and frequently a no object but the ground. So, when Elizabeth does get the courage to look at Darcy, he's as often looking at Jane as he does look at Elizabeth, but most often he's just staring at the ground. (laughs) Why do you think he's looking at Jane? I think he's observing. I think he's Uh trying to... Maybe he's, like, trying to prove himself wrong, his initial judgment of her wrong. Like, he's like, oh, maybe I need to look a little more carefully and take in what Elizabeth told me about Jane, which is that she's very shy and doesn't, you know, 
put her heart on her sleeve, like maybe like Bingley does. Maybe, yeah, that's a great point. Darcy has got a lot in his mind right now. But there's two main things is that A, Elizabeth's in the room, and B, I'm like, this is almost like a little, like that's a secondary humiliation for Darcy is that I have to go visit Longbourn to see Elizabeth. But also I got to go to Longbourn to like prove my own judgment wrong. Yeah. And like see... Like, I think he has accepted probably that Bingley and Jane are in love now, but he still can't help himself but trying to, like, read her again and see, like, was I wrong? Is there affection there, you know? Yeah, I think so. Um, I do like this, in, this, this um, but now several minutes elapse without bringing the sound of his voice. Elizabeth, remember, is not looking up. She is, like, pretending to, to sew right now, pretending to do needlework. And then, so, like, when... She doesn't see hear his his voice for several minutes. I think it's just like she can't help but like look up and see like what's going on. Mm. Like she, it's not like she's staring at him. She she can't. So like when when his voice is no longer in the conversation, it's like she has. She's like the curiosity is killing her. Like she has to look at him and see like what he, he's doing. I really like that observation. Yeah, that's so much more powerful than several minutes elapsed without Darcy talking, right? Mm. It's not without Darcy talking, it's without Elizabeth hearing the sound of his voice, right? And yeah, that's like an, and that's such a, like, a very, like, intimate way to describe it. It's like, she, she misses the sound of his voice uh -huh. and, or, yeah, she wants, she, she longs to hear the sound of his voice. That's a particular register in her brain, like the sound of Darcy's voice. Yeah, his proud haughty voice <laughs> um okay more thoughtfulness and less anxiety to please than when they last met were plainly expressed um on uh sorry hold on yeah yeah so she several minutes elapsed she doesn't hear Dar the sound of darcy's voice right mm -hmm. and when she does look at him he's looking at jane as often as elizabeth herself and frequently just looking at the ground yes more thoughtfulness and less anxiety to please than when they last met were plainly expressed. On Darcy's face, right? Yes. And when they last met in Derbyshire, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So he is not acting the same as he did around the gardeners. No, he is more thoughtful and less anxious to please her friends. Mm -hmm. um, Elizabeth was disappointed and angry at herself for being so. For being what? Disappointed. And angry. And angry. Yeah. So she is like, he, Darcy is a little different now. He is not trying to please everyone anymore. Mm. And this makes Elizabeth upset and disappointed. And why do you think she would react that way? Well, because I think she still wants, she wants him to like woo her essentially, I think. Like she's, she, she's disappointed that he's not, that essentially she's not the focus of his attention, mm -hmm. which is telling. Um, and then angry with herself because she's like, well, this isn't about me right now. This should be about Jane and Bingley. And here I am thinking about what Darcy's thinking about me. And like, she's angry with herself for, for allowing these thoughts into her head, I think. I think so. Also, if we go back to that line, that's like, I'm going to wait to see how he acts first and then build expectations. Mm. I think that was Elizabeth, you know, pulling a Jane on herself a little bit. Like <laughs> she was already building expectations and she was kind of hoping that he was going to act the same as he had in Derbyshire. Mm -hmm. He was going to be very gallant. He was going to make everyone like him. And he was going to be like clearly, you know, focused on Elizabeth. Yeah. And this is not what's happening. He's acting a little bit more like his reserved former self. Yeah, and, and not just that, but he's not even like he's not even looking at Elizabeth. Uh, he's looking, he's obs observing Jane right now. Yeah, Jane and Bingley, but 
And so Elizabeth is upset by this, but she's also like, I told myself I wasn't going to have any expectations, you know, and so I'm upset. As upset as I am at Darcy, I'm up upset at myself for letting this affect me. Yeah. Um, and then she says, could I expect it to be otherwise, said she, probably to herself. Uh-huh. Could I expect Darcy to be anything other than, like, quiet and thoughtful in this moment? Yeah. Yet, why did he come? <laughs> oh, good questions, Elizabeth. <laughs> Um, she was in no humor for conversation with anyone but himself, and to him she had hardly courage to speak. She inquired after his sister, but could do no more. It is a long time, Mr. Bingley, since you went away, said Mrs. Bennet, not leadingly at all. <laughs> <laughs> he readily agreed to it. I began to be afraid you would never come back again. People did say you meant to quit the place entirely at Michaelmas. Michaelmas? 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 Sorry, everyone. Sorry, especially to our British listeners. <laughs> uh, but however, I hope it is not true. A great many changes have happened in the neighborhood since you went away. Well, hold on. Let's just stop there. So she's like, people did say you were never coming back again, but I didn't. I hope it is not true. I didn't think that, right? Yeah, it's also... Don't say that. Don't say, oh, the neighbors were talking about you while you were gone. Well, okay, so she says, I began to be afraid you would never come back again. She's letting on a lot here. Mm -hmm. And, like, people did say you weren't coming back again, but I really hoped it wasn't true, right? Yeah. This is, like, way too leading. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, oh, you, my, my happiness depends on you not leaving Netherfield, Mr. Bingley. I'm letting on that, like, I thought a lot about whether you were going to come back or not, <laughs> and I was talking to other people about it, too. Yeah. Not very decorous. A great many changes have happened in the neighborhood since you went away. Miss Lucas is married and settled, and one of my own daughters. I suppose you have heard of it. Indeed, you must have seen it in the papers. So that was a common practice at the time to announce marriages in the newspapers, especially among families of any nobility yeah. or rank. I mean, I think it still is. Isn't there like a wedding section in like the New York Times? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it definitely still is. Yeah. I think this was just like the D... The default setting, though, yeah, yeah. you know, to use a modern modern parlance. But, <laughs> like, if you have any sort of standing in society, you would announce, like, your family's marriages publicly, right? Yeah, yeah. So she's like, Mrs. Lucas is meddled. Here, here's all the changes that have happened. Mrs. Lucas, Miss Lucas is married, right, to Mr. Uh, Mr. Collins. And Lydia also, I'm sure you must have heard of it. Indeed, you probably have seen it in the papers. It was in the Times and the Courier. I know... Though it was not put in as it ought to be, it was only said, lately, George Wickham Esquire, to Miss, Bene Miss Lydia Bennet, without there being a syllable said of her father, or the place where she lived, or anything. <sighs> it was my brother Gardner's drawing up, too. So, like, Mr. Gardner bought the ad in the paper, right? Mm -hmm. And I wonder how he came to make such an awkward business of it. Did you see it? Oh, my gosh. Just more, like, complete um, ignorance of... Or ignorance slash, like, willful ignorance of the what led up to her, her daughter finally getting married. It's so hard to say because, like, Mrs. Bennett is affected in the moment by Lydia's running away. Mm -hmm. But she just doesn't see... I think it's fair to say she sees nothing wrong with, like, what's happened with this marriage between Lydia and Wickham and how it came together. No, I think, like, once they get married, it's water under the bridge. It doesn't matter... The past, it's its very Jane-like almost. It's like, what happens now? It's like, whatever happened now happened, and the past doesn't matter. It's like, what happened now is that they're married, the past doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, and to the point where, she, 
she's like, I don't understand why she brings this up herself. You probably saw the, the posting in the paper that they were married. I don't understand why Mr. Gardner didn't like go into great detail about like all her friends and connection and her family names. And why do you think Mr. Gardner omitted like the father and the family and the place that Lydia's from? Oh, because, well, he just wanted it to, because it's, it's shameful how they got married. Uh, yeah, he doesn't want to bring like shame to the Bennett family. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's like, it was it, to Mrs. Bennett, it's perfectly reasonable for Lydia's entire credentials to be listed in the paper in her announce, in her marriage announcement. Um, ha having spent like weeks living with this guy unmarried, it, it like, it just doesn't register to her that like, oh, something's should be like kept hush hush uh i can i guess it's like looking at it from a modern perspective it's almost admirable how little mrs bennett cares for the conventions of her society <laughs> but that's not good for the family that's not good for the bennett's immediate situation yeah well so yeah so well the thing is mr garner probably had to put in the papers to keep up with decorum like Otherwise, it's going to look really shameful. Why yeah. didn't you even announce this marriage, right? right. So, uh -huh. Oh, something must have gone wrong if they didn't announce it in the papers. So he had to sort of play a delicate game of, like, announcing it in the papers, but not so much that people will start, like, doing the mental math of, like, oh, well, when did Lydia go to Brighton? And, like, well, when did she allegedly run away with Wickham? And when did they get married? And all of this stuff. Uh -huh. Or, like, people who happen to know about the business but maybe don't know about the other Bennets. Like, there's no reason for Mr. Gardner to be like, hey... Here's the rest of her family, right? <laughs> yeah, and these other four daughters who have to bear the mark that Lydia left them with. Uh-huh. Uh, and I like this phrasing. I wonder how he came to make such an awkward business of it. <laughs> like, why was he being so awkward about it? Like, how did he bungle this up? And of course, this is probably the worst thing Mrs. Bennett could be saying to someone who she wants to marry her daughter, right? Yeah. She's just, like, reminding him. I'm sure, I don't know. Bingley probably knows some of the details, right? Do you think Darcy told him? I don't think Darcy told Maybe him. Maybe not. So she is now advertising her own daughter's disgrace to Bingley. It does make me wonder, in a hypothetical situation, like, if Bingley found out about the whole Lydia Wickham scandal, like, if his opinion of Jane would change. I don't think so. I, I don't know for certain, but just my gut tells me. Mm. that that wouldn't affect Bingley too much. It would definitely make Miss Bingley think very lowly of yeah. the Bennets. I think you're right. I think I will give Mr. Bingley the benefit of the doubt there. He's not a bad he's not a bad guy. Let's hope so. <laughs> I think that like yeah, we can Bingley is redeemable and perfect for Jane because they are not as smart as Darcy <laughs> and Elizabeth. <laughs> hey, nothing wrong with that, but they just sort of let things slide. Uh -huh. <laughs> he doesn't think too much about it. Um, yeah, and then Mrs. Bennett finishes that up with, did you see it? Did you see it in the paper? The wedding announcement of my mm -hmm. daughter? <laughs> I mean, Bingley knows that Wickham is Darcy's enemy and that Darcy doesn't like Wickham. So he's got to know that there's something weird going on with that, right? I guess so. I we're not we're not privy to what the men discuss when uh -huh. the women are not present, which is fair because Jane Austen didn't know what men were talking about when women were not present. Um, I don't know. I don't know to what extent Mr. Darcy would be like, all right, I'm going to London to find Lydia Bennett. I don't, you, I don't think he told him that whole adventure. Yeah. yeah, that's probably fair to say. But I think it's also fair to say that Mrs. Bennett's not doing herself any favors in winning Bingley over here. Well, remember, because Mr. Bet Mr. Sorry, Mr. Darcy kept the whole Georgiana almost elopement from Bingley because 
he thought that would ruin the chances of Bingley so, yeah. wanting to be with Miss Darcy. So I, I don't think, I think Bingley is blissfully unaware of what happened with Lydia and Wickham. Of the whole adventure. I yeah, so. yeah, probably. Um, well, <laughs> if he was before, Mrs. Bennet's going to come very close to telling him. <laughs> okay, Bingley replied that he did hear about Lydia and Wickham's marriage, yes. and he made his congratulations. Elizabeth dared not lift up her eyes. How Darcy looked, therefore, she could not tell. So she wants to know, like, how Darcy is reacting to... <laughs> well, this is why it's doubly awkward, is now Mrs. Bennet is also flinging this information in Darcy's <laughs> face, too. Yeah. Unbeknownst to her that he has anything to do with it. Yeah. And Elizabeth wants to know how he's reacting, but she doesn't have the courage to, like, look at him. Mm. Yeah. It is a delightful thing, to be sure, to have a daughter well-married, continued her mother. But at the same time, Mr. Bingley, it is very hard to have her taken such a way from me. They are gone to Newcastle, a, qu a place quite northward, it seems. And there they are to stay. I do not know how long. Quite northward, it seems. <laughs> this, like, very famous, like, military, like, regiment, like, stronghold. Mrs. Bennet doesn't look at maps. <laughs> <laughs> um, his regiment is there. For I suppose you have heard of his leaving the Blankshire and of his being gone into the regulars. Thank heaven he has some friends, though perhaps not so many as he deserves. Mm. And that... Oh, it's just about the worst thing Mrs. Bennet could say right now mm -hmm. in front of Mr. Darcy. Because, of course, who is she referring to? Mr. Darcy. Thank heaven Wickham has some friends, though perhaps not so many as he deserves. Well, we already know that Mrs. Bennet is... Her goal in going into this meeting is to be very nice to Bingley and to basically slight Darcy. <laughs> so this is part, This is all within her, like, goal, I guess, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Elizabeth, who knew this to be leveled at Mr. Darcy, was in such misery of shame that she could hardly keep her seat. I think it's safe to say that Wickham has talked... You know, he's talked to everyone about how he hates Darcy, so he's definitely talked to Mrs. Bennet about it. Oh, yeah, Wickham? Yeah, yeah he told yeah, the whole uh -huh. town. Right, yeah, so Mrs. Bennet knows that Wickham feels wronged by Darcy. Right, because remember, like, the whole town... The, right now, the general consensus of the town is that Darcy is, like, the worst person ever. Uh-huh. And this, of course, is the height of irony, that she's like, thank God Wickham has some friends, <laughs> looking at Darcy like, he's... They're, they're his enemies, but Darcy is the one who gave him a bunch of money and made this marriage happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, um... Mr. Darcy is, is currently Mr. Wickham's patron. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, it drew from, okay, Elizabeth, who knew this to be level that Mr. Darcy was in such misery of shame that she could hardly keep her seat. It drew from her, however, the exertion of speaking, which nothing else had so effectively done before. So finally, Mrs. Bennet says this terrible thing and Elizabeth's like, all right, I gotta say something before she continues to shoot herself in the foot. Um, and she asked Bingley whether he meant to make any stay in the country at present. A few weeks, he believed. When you have killed all your own birds, Mr. Bingley, said her mother, said Elizabeth's mother, I beg you will come here and shoot as many as you please on Mr. Bennet's manor. I am sure he will be vastly happy to oblige you and will save all the best of the coveys for you. Coveys? 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 Some kind of bird. So Mrs. Bennet, this is, of course, very purposely suggestive. She's like, once you've killed all the birds in Netherfield... <laughs> Feel free to come here and kill Mr. some of Mr. Bennett's birds, right? Yeah, that's 
Well, what? Well, why is she trying to... Okay, first of all, it's hilarious. Like, how is he going to kill all the birds on Netherfield? Yeah, also, like, just make... in her brain, it's like, oh, hunting just means you kill all of the birds uh, that exist on a property. And then she's inviting him to come kill some of Mr. Bennett's birds without consulting Mr. Bennett at all. <laughs> but what's her real, like, scheme here? What is she trying to do? Oh, trying to, like, um, ingratiate him into the family. She's trying to get him to come over to yeah, yeah. Uh, Longbourn even more. And maybe you can kill some of our birds, like... And maybe marry one of my daughters while you're at it, right? <laughs> well, and yeah, we'll even save all the best partridges for you, uh, the best cubbies for you. Mr. Bennett won't kill any of the good ones. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth's misery increased at such unnecessary, such officious attention. Yeah, because Mrs. Bennett just has no idea what she's talking about. Were the same fair prospect to arise at present as had flattered them a year ago, Everything, she was persuaded, would be hastening to the same vexatious conclusion. All right, what is this sentence saying? Were the same fair prospect to arise at present as had flattered them a year ago, as had flattered... The Bennets, the Bennets I think. Yeah. And what is that fair prospect? The potential proposal from Bingley. Uh-huh. So were the same pr potential proposal to arise at present if Mr. Bingley were to... Um, try to uh, core Jane again. Mm -hmm. um, everything, Elizabeth was persuaded, everything that's happening so, right now, presently, with Mrs. Bennet, would be hastening to the same vexatious conclusion yeah. as a year ago. So even if Bingley came back, this is all Elizabeth's thinking, if Bingley came back specifically to restart the courtship with Jane, or if he that's something he wants to do, like, the way Mrs. Bennet is acting is going to make sure that everything comes to the same conclusion as it had previously, which is Bingley's going to back out because which is, of Which is Bingley is going to be sent running. Yeah, right. <laughs> At that instant, Elizabeth felt that years of happiness could not make Jane or herself amends for moments of such painful confusion. There's the confusion again. I think it just means, like, general, like, agitation and, like, just, she's just in such a, like, in such a, like, huff. You know, mm -hmm. she just can't deal with what's happening right now. And I think it's fair to say Elizabeth's thinking a little hyperbolically here. <laughs> She's like, even if everything goes according to plan, if Jane marries Bingley and they live happy for years and years, that's hardly going to make amends for how, like, embarrassed Miss Bennet is making us feel right now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, the first wish of my heart, Elizabeth said to herself, is never more to be in company with either of them. Either like, Bingley or Darcy. Yeah. Their society can afford no pleasure that will atone for such wretchedness as this. Let me never see one or the other again. Wow. So Mrs. Bennet is acting so horribly that Elizabeth's like, I'd rather just not see Bingley and Darcy ever again than have to live through another moment like this, yeah. right? Even even Jane getting married to Bingley and like which would be the pinnacle of happiness is not enough to make up for what Elizabeth is feeling in this moment watching her mother completely humiliate herself and her daughters. Okay. Yet the misery, for which years of happiness were to offer no compensation, received soon afterwards material relief from observing how much the beauty of her sister rekindled the admiration of her former lover. So here, we've been in Elizabeth's thoughts, but now here comes Austin as the narrator, and she's like, you know how Elizabeth was just saying that years of happiness could never offer a compensation for how miserable she feels right now? <laughs> well, don't worry, it was immediately relieved, right? <laughs> by seeing how happy, uh, by seeing, like, basically Bingley be interested in Jane again, right? Yeah. By seeing, like, their acquaintance, like, become warm again, right? Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, that's that's like Austin purposely undercutting Elizabeth. Elizabeth's like, even like the happiest marriage between Jane and Bingley is not going to make up for this terrible awkward moment, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, Austin is like, well, actually, the happiness between Jane and Bingley does kind of make up for <laughs> it, right? Yeah, yeah. All of those, all of those thoughts were instantly washed away when Elizabeth saw basically Bingley fall in love keep can refall in love with Jane. Uh -huh. The beauty of her sister of Jane rekindled the admiration of Bingley, her former lover. Mm -hmm. When first he came in, he had spoken to Jane but little, but every five minutes seemed to be giving her more of his attention. I like that phrasing. Mm -hmm. Like the time, the time passing is what's giving Jane Bingley's attention. It's not mm -hmm. Bingley himself. It's just like <laughs> they can't help but be in a room together without like being drawn to each other, kind of. Yeah, yeah. He found her as handsome as she had been last year, as good natured and as unaffected, though not quite so chatty. Hmm. So we were talking about this before the podcast. There's two ways to read this. He found her as handsome as she had been last year, as good natured and as unaffected, though not though not quite so chatty. Yeah. Either this is Austin relaying information that Bingley gives us through dialogue, but I think what's more likely going on here is we jump into Bingley's perspective for, like, one sentence. I agree. We are that. seeing how Bingley re-sees Jane, mm -hmm. which is just as handsome, just as good-natured, and just as, like, unaffected, just, like, as natural and charming, but maybe not quite so talkative as when I we formally met, right? Right, right. And I was thinking, like, oh, I guess, um, I was wondering, like, why the use of the word chatty? Because I think I was implying or um, instilling, like, a more um, modern interpretation of chatty. I thought I was like, oh, I guess we just didn't know this whole time that Jane was a very talkative person because, you know, like, from, like, Elizabeth's perspective and from Darcy's perspective, Jane was always seen as kind of, like, reserved and shy, maybe. But then, you know, looking back, there was, for example, like, the Netherfield Ball where... Um, basically it was just the Bingley and Jane show, like, all they did was talk to each other all night. So I think it's just, like, in, in Bingley's perspective, comparing that night where they just talked all night long to right now, where she is a little more reserved, um, still her usual, usual, like, beautifulness, she still has the beauty and the handsomeness and the, um, unaffectedness, but just a little less talkative than when they were at the Netherfield Ball a year ago. I think it's definitely, Grace, still something worth thinking about. And I think it kind of speaks to how Darcy perceived Jane and how he was able to dissuade Bingley from the, like, proposal originally, which is, like, Jane doesn't normally act chatty, but she did around Bingley. Mm. And maybe Darcy saw that, and he's like, oh, well, Jane is just a talkative person, not knowing who Jane really is. Yeah. And he's like, well, I'm sure she's just ch chatty around everyone, right? Right, Where right. in reality, she only acts that way around Bingley. Yeah, because in Darcy's letter, he said that the only thing that he could use to get Bingley to um, not pursue Jane anymore was to convince him that Jane wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like, and so with that in mind, Darcy was probably just saying, oh, yeah, Jane's just a very, like, sociable and, like, pl like pleasing, amenable person. But actually, like, yeah, like you said, like, Jane is actually not usually that way. She only ever kind of displays that in front of Bingley because, uh -huh. because she likes Bingley. Yeah. And now it's it's less so than it used to be. Yeah, for obvious reasons. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bingley, I wonder why she's not as chatty <laughs> as she was before. <laughs> well, maybe this is also a clue to Bingley that's like, 
you know, that, it, that wasn't just how she normally acts, you know, she, like, really did have affection for me, and, like, she has been affected by my leaving her and now returning. Yeah, you're right. This change in behavior is a signal to Bingley that, like, oh, wow, like, I, I had an actual impact on her. I wasn't, she was actually interested in me. Uh -huh. she, she's always handsome. She's always good-natured. She's always unaffected. But she's not always chatty. Mm -mm. And she was with Bingley, but now she's become more reserved because, like, she has to protect herself a little bit here. Yeah. Aww. But this should be, if Bingley's being perceptive and Darcy, this should be a hint to them that there was a real affection on Jane's part. Because if don't... there wasn't, she'd be able to e meet him, like, in the exact same way as she had before. I don't know if Bingley's that intelligent, but I think Darcy would pick up on it. If, you know, if... Bingley did say that Jane was chatty, and then Bar Darcy's observing her now being not chatty. I think that would be a hint to Darcy that, like, oh, Bingley actually had an effect on Jane. Um, but I don't know if Bingley is quite smart enough to pick up on that, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe in another universe there's, like, a Pride and Prejudice from the Bingley Bingley's perspective where, I don't know, he grows up a little bit and learns to, A, grow a backbone, and B, like, learn how to, like, critical thing for himself for himself yeah, yeah. we can hope that <laughs> jane and bingley encourage each other more in that respect yeah. uh, we'll see <laughs> all right so we go from bingley's perspective and then we jump into jane's and says jane was anxious that no difference should be perceived in her at all and was really persuaded that she talked as much as ever <laughs> that's funny so this is more so much dramatic irony in this chapter Jane thinks she's acting the same as she always has. Yeah. And she's almost pulling it off, but Bingley noticed she's a little bit more reserved than she used to be. That's really nice that Bingley even notices that. Uh -huh. That, like, Jane is trying her best to, like, be her usual self, but Bingley picks it up immediately, like, oh, something's something's a little off. Like, Jane is not as chatty as she usually was, despite Jane trying her best to just completely appear 100% normal. Maybe this is our hope that, you know, Bingley his perceptions are rising. Okay, right? yeah, uh, yeah. That he's gonna, he is able to, like, re-Jane in a, a certain way. This that, is also indicative of, like, Jane will say, it was, like, Jane says one thing, but, every, like, especially Elizabeth immediately picks up that she does not mean what she says. Mm -hmm. It's like, here, Jane is doing her best to act normal, but she's not fooling anyone. I think Jane is so, like, she's so nice and, like, she thinks so well of people, and she's also, like, interested in keeping up appearances and not distressing anyone that she almost needs that kind of, like, special translator in her life, right? Yeah. And Elizabeth is it, but maybe Bingley can be it also. That's fantastic. Well, that's just great. <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Hopefully Mrs. Hope. Bennet doesn't ruin this for them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. But Jane's mind was so busily engaged that she did not always know when she was silent. That's so funny. yeah, she, she was. Yeah, go ahead. Well, no, what are you saying? She was persuaded that she was acting the same, but she is so distracted that she doesn't even realize she's talking less than she used to with Bingley. But I'm yeah. sorry. Go. What were you? Oh no, say? no, yeah. Just like it's funny because she thinks she's acting normal, but actually, it's like there's just so many things running, like racing through her mind right now that she doesn't even realize that she's acting totally out of character. Not out of character, but she's like not acting how she usually acts around Bingley. I just yeah. yeah it's just it's just more to the fact uh, more to like what you said like. And it is an interesting, like, um, we do get to go into her head a little bit here. Like, she is trying her absolute best to keep up appearances. Um, 
And she thinks she's doing a good job. She thinks she's like, I'm nailing this. But actually, she has no idea that she is like completely um, not nailing this, <laughs> not nailing acting normal. She almost is. She almost yeah, is. But yeah, but he can tell something's a little off. Yeah. Yeah. Which is good. You need to have a partner who can tell when something is off. When the gentleman rose to go away, Mrs. Bennett was mindful of her intended civility, which was to invite Bingley to the party, right? Yeah. And they were both, they were invited and engaged to dine at Longbourn in a few days' time. So they were invited, and I think engaged means they accepted. Like, this is a plan. They're going to come to Longbourn in a few days' time. Yes. Here we go. You were quite a visit in my debt, Mr. Bingley, Mrs. Bennett added. What does that mean? So basically, you owe me a visit. Yeah, that's what that means. You owe me a visit. <laughs> for when you went to town last winter, when you left for London, you promised to take a family dinner with us as soon as you returned. I have not forgot, you see. And I assure you, I was very much disappointed that you did not come back and keep your engagement. She had him penciled in in her uh -huh, calendar yeah. and he never showed uh -huh. up and he well he technically said we will have a family dinner once i return and now here he is but apparently mrs bennett thought he should have returned sooner right yeah. so uh -huh. you are quite a visit in my debt Mr. yeah Bingley. yeah i was disappointed that you did not come back and keep your engagement like what is he doing now <laughs> like here he is yeah he showed up uninvited but whatever i guess in mrs bennett's mind that meant like in a couple of weeks you'd come back yeah and visit with us yeah i have not forgot you see uh -huh. it's almost like she is borderline like um, scolding him uh -huh. as though he were, like, a son-in-law. <laughs> Almost as though he were, like, her intended lover. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. Like, you owe this to me, Bingley. <laughs> <laughs> I've been here waiting and hoping and shedding tears. <laughs> uh, Bingley looked a little silly at this reflection. Because, yeah. Who the hell remembers this stuff, like, from how, like, what, nine months ago? Yeah, just about, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. He's like, huh? Did I really say that? Uh-huh. I looked a little silly, like, yeah, you're just kind of, like, confused by this, I feel like. Yeah, right. right. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> looked a little silly at this reflection. It said something of his concern at having been prevented by business. Ah, oh, that damn business. <laughs> <laughs> then he went away. Oh, then they went away. They yeah. then went away. So Bingley's like, oh, I'm sorry, but, you know, I had business. And then they leave. Yeah. You want to read this last paragraph? Mrs. Bennet had been strongly inclined to ask them to stay and dine there that day. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Uninvited, by the way, remember. Uh -huh. But though she always kept a very good table, that's Mrs. Bennet's words, uh -huh. she did not think any less than two courses could be good enough for a man on whom she had such anxious design or satisfy the appetite and pride of one who had 10000 a year. I look, that's how she sees Darcy is a walking like $10,000 pound note, 10,000 yeah. pound note, right? He has uh, this like yeah. mark over his head and it's like 10,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Mrs. Bennett, I think has also voiced this before. I always keep a good table. We always <laughs> eat well at Longbourn. Yeah. But two courses is too little for the man who I'm going to, who my daughter's going to marry, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's also, surely it can't satisfy the pride of 10,000K a year, or 10K a year, sorry. Yeah. 10,000K would be... A lot more. A lot. A lot of money. I can't do the math <laughs> be right like, now. like, the king would have 10,000K. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how it ends. Yep. So we are twice. due, uh -huh. we are due, like, history repeating itself, we are due another family dinner at the Bennetts. Mm -hmm. Well, finally, it's finally. come to fruition in Mrs. Bennett's mind. Well, we'll see. I think Mrs. Bennett has not, like, lost a beat here. No, she it, is at her A game right uh -huh. now. No, she is, uh, 
she is she is planning. She is plotting. Well, all Mrs. Bennett's. Well, she loses Lydia, which is that is that's kind of the the humiliation at marrying her favorite daughter slash the dramatic irony. But she's about to hit the big Score time. Score like, a big fish. Accomplish her wildest hopes and dreams, even beyond her expectations. Uh-huh. It is, it's funny. It's like they both, Jane is like fretting internally. And it's like Mrs. Bennet is the, like the physical manifestation of like Jane's like internal like fretting. She is kind of like, she's almost like Jane's id. She's doing yeah. exactly what Jane really wants to do, but could never do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which maybe is, is good for us because then we know what the stakes are. <laughs> uh, mortifying for Jane. Mortifying for Jane and Elizabeth. But I also think it's almost, in Mrs. Bennet's mind, Jane is almost beside the point. No, yeah, this yeah. is her, this is her engagement. It's her to, designs, to be, yeah. right? The man who uh, she had such designs for. <laughs> yeah. But Bingley's back. He's back Bingley's in Netherfield. Back, baby. Yeah, that's the big takeaway. And Darcy's there too. And Darcy's <laughs> yeah, there for some uh, reason. For some reason. We can't say, we don't know. And they show up by themselves, uninvited to Longbourn, even Darcy. Well, because men in that kind of power can do that, I guess. They yeah. just knock on people's doors uh, uninvited. Well, that's not, I should clarify, that's not rude. Because, like, everyone is, especially Mrs. Bennet, it's almost like Mrs. Bennet has mentally invited them. And <laughs> she's like, I made this happen. <laughs> I'm telepathically communicating with Bingley. Yeah, this could not have happened, this could not have worked out better for Mrs. Bennet. Because now, like, she didn't have to do any of the legwork to, like, make the introductions. Like, Bingley came to them. Uh, well, in her mind, Bingley came to her. But... Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. I think that's a good place to leave it for now. Yes. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything we pronounced incorrectly, please let us know. <laughs> I'm sure so many things. <laughs> uh, you can email us at secondimpressionspod at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. So until volume three, chapter 12, I'm Grace. And I'm Tom. Bye.